The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 smart bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. Here we go. It's another Arrowhead Pride podcast, and I am Pete Sweeney. Today, Joel and Seth slacking off. So what do we do? We bring in former Chiefs linebacker Sean Barber. Sean, say hi to the Arrowhead Priders. Hey, man, I feel like you brought in a ringer today. Bringing in a ringer. That's, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. I, I know for sure that Joel and Seth wouldn't fall under the category of ringers. You have a little bit more experience in the NFL than they do as well. So, here we go. We're talking about Friday night, big night, Chiefs heading out to Seattle for preseason game number three, 7 p.m. start time. Sean, you've been here before. How important is preseason game number three? I mean, this is where uh, you're kind of putting all your chips on the, on the table right now. This is when the offense, defense, um, you, you pretty much have the, the final 53 in your mind worked out. Um, as a coaching staff, I know, I mean, at least the, the first 50, I worked out. There's probably three guys that are kind of on the fence. They're hoping they have a really good game to solidify their their confidence in those three guys. But there's another three guys who, you know, maybe that 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 last three out that if they come, I mean, and have an outstanding game on special teams, that Coach Tobe gets really excited about what he can do with the person um, in all four phases of the kicking game, then they could bump somebody out. So, I mean – you know, 80, 85 to 90 percent of the roster is pretty much uh, solidified in the coaches' minds, and it's that last, like I said, you know, three to five guys who really need to show up in all three phases, all four phases of the kicking game, and really make some impacts. So this is a big game for the first team offense and the first team defense because Andy Reid says he's giving them three quarters. They may not play again till week one of the regular season. Sometimes that's the way this thing goes. Mm-hmm. This is the last tune-up right here. I mean, if there's any nuances in the offense as far as shifts in motions or personnel, um, are we going to be a heavy three tight end or 
going three wide, one back. You know, anything you see in this game is pretty much going to be the closest thing you see to week one of the NFL season when we're at Foxborough. Now, we've seen Alex look pretty good so far this preseason in limited time, 12 of 15 for 131 and a touchdown. Uh, But you want to see it sustained, right? I mean, this is something that, you know, you'd like to see Alex and this first team offense be able to do that for a number of quarters rather than just, you know, walking down the field and scoring a touchdown. And then you may get Patrick Mahomes in the fourth. But at this point, you know, we're, we've been excited about Mahomes, but as a fan, your eyes got to be on the first team offense. This is who you're going to be watching all year. Definitely, definitely. I mean, those 11 out there for the first half are going to be pretty much who you're going to see every week line up and barring the injuries. Um, that's going to be, you know, what we're going to hang our hats on as far as our bread and butter on offense. What you, what you do hope is that out of this third preseason game, you really want to feel uh, your team come out after halftime, experience that. You know, it's a little lull going in that half, and then you got to come back and kind of restart that engine in the second half. So that first drive of the third quarter on defense or offense, you want to see your first team offense really come out after halftime and kind of get back to doing what they've been doing. Our, our offense has been amazing in the first two, one or two drives of every preseason game thus far. Hopefully it keeps going Friday night, and we do a, another awesome job against a really, really sound, good defense in Seattle. And really, just put some points on the board. Move the ball, put points on the board, and that's really all you can expect when you come to that third preseason game. Andy Reid did announce that there will be two players on offense that won't be playing in this game. Shontavious Jones, the wideout. Man, that really stinks because this may have been his chance to you know, put an exclamation point on a pretty good training camp. Uh, so we won't be seeing Shontavious Jones or Stretch as they like to call him. Uh, And Parker Anger won't play. He's just activated off the PUP as he continues to recover from that knee injury. But we do have a number of questions that remain on offense. How does left guard shake out? I know Parker Anger isn't playing Friday night, but here comes the pressure now on Brian Witzman, who did get that contract extension, Mm -hmm. because this was Parker Anger's job last year. Yeah, it was. And and it comes down to a numbers game. That's what I always looked at it. When you get to that third preseason game, it was always a a kind of a, a shell game when you're talking about how many offensive tackles and centers and how many running backs do you count a fullback as a running back or do you count him as a tight end um you know it's because it's a little bit of a mention and matching going on a little melee of uh how many guys on offense are you going to keep 26 or 27 on offense and some teams don't have a fullback we have the sausage so really it's a 52 man (laughs) roster you're trying to make the tank yeah the tank got to get in there man those shermanator man you got i mean you see him how crucial he is on fourth down uh just converting moving the chains um Awesome in special teams, great teammate, great around the community. I mean, I, I mean, he's he's one of the guaranteed locks in my in my book. Another question, though, for the offense, Sean, is who will be this third tight end? I think we saw last week that Demetrius Harris has the number two tight end on lock. At least that's how I feel. He had the two touchdowns. They're throwing to him in big situations. Mm-hmm. Alex obviously has a comfortability with Demetrius Harris. So now it goes down to. Ross Travis and uh, Gavin Escobar and that third tight end in this offense is important because Andy Reid does love those three tight end sets yeah and you got to be somebody that has some experience I think at that third tight end position you got to be able to swing both ways be equally as good receiving and blocking because if you think about it what you want in your third tight end is a guy who could replace either guy who if Kelsey went down and Demetrius becomes your receiving and then this third tight end would be your blocking tight end or well, Demetrius went down and you already have Travis as you're receiving and you hope he comes in as being a, more of a blocking where we can run behind him. Um, of the two, man, I think Escobar has the, you know, 
he he's a more uh, polished player. Ross Travis is still kind of an experiment in the making, still trying to see him come out of his shell a little bit. Um, has all the tools, but just hasn't put him on the field on game day. So um, I'm thinking they're going to probably settle with Escobar. You think Escobar in that situation? Okay. Uh, well, that's a, that's a nice prediction going into the 53 here. <laughs> Question mark still about which wide receivers are going to make this team as well. Uh, I think for locks, in my opinion, you have Tyreek Hill, Chris mm-hmm. Conley, Albert Wilson, DeAnthony Thomas, and Demarcus Robinson. But there is room in that sixth spot. You did draft someone in J.U. Chesson out of Michigan. And then you do have Stretch, who he said, uh, Shantavius Jones will be on the sidelines. But Marcus Kemp and Garrick Dieter in that mix. It should be interesting, no matter what, how this wide receiver room shakes out. And just a pleasant surprise, because after Macklin left, you really didn't expect there to be much competition at wide receiver. Well, I know from a na- national scene, everybody talked about the Chiefs don't have a true number one. They're going to have Chris Conley trying to step up to a position of number one. Tyreek Hill was more of a... Uh, more of a weapon X type guy, more of a return specialist made into a wide receiver who's really a running back. So they didn't really know what to categorize Tariq Hill as. Um, but as far as offensive threats, being able to like purely do what a receiver needs to do, which is run good routes and catch the ball, they have a, a stable full of guys that really run good routes and really have really nice, true receiver hands. And so it's going to be, yeah, it is going to be a tough decision when you get down to that, that number fifth and sixth wide receiver. Um, I personally feel like, I mean, I, I don't know how, how comfortable I feel that the, the Anthony Thomas job is right now just because if the only thing you do well is return, and the NFL has almost made the return game a non-factor by pushing the kickoff up so much, that's half of what you used to do. You, you know, you yeah, used there to, are so many touchbacks. That's a good point. There's so many touchbacks. And then for the punting game, I know we are talking about moving away from Tariq Hill, but when he's out there, it puts so much pressure on the opposing kicker to actually angle the punts. It's almost like you gain a first down just by having him out there. I tend to agree with you about DeAnthony Thomas, but the thing is, Dave Tope came out and said, pound for pound, he's the toughest player in the team. I mean, I, I think the Dave Tope is a guy who's going to be scratching yes. <laughs> tooth and nail to get DeAnthony Thomas to stay in the team. I think he likes him as a kickoff returner You know when they can return the kicks. And, and you've seen these Chiefs kick returners in Dave Tobe's style. It doesn't matter if they're four or five yards back in the end zone. Mm-hmm. They're coming out. So I, I, just can, I just can't see them cutting DeAnthony. But I do think the plan with Hill is to keep him out there so that teams will punt away. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I was talking with my kids about it over the, over the you know, we getting ready for fantasy football. And I was like, <laughs> well, Dad, everybody's saying Tariq Hill is not going to do any punt returns. And I said, I mean, I said, something about it. You just line up back there. You don't you don't have to return any of them. Right. It's not a it's not a like a thing where you have to it's a it's a mandatory thing. Every time you line up back there, you gotta run and take a hit. I say he lines up back there, he forces the team to punt it out of bounds, you gain a first down just by him being out there and the and the, the, the time that the kicker makes a mistake and actually does boom one and overkicks the coverage, that's a fifty fifty chance he's gonna take it to the house. So who's worrying about an offensive rep when you just scored a touchdown? <laughs> I said the, the, the threat, just the, just the offensive threat um, he has back there, you, I think we'll see him back there more than people think. And to go back to what Tobe said about DeAnthony, I mean, DeAnthony, he's a great person. He's a great player. But I think a lot of it is kind of, you know, it gets to some coaching talk because if you look at kind of how the season ended last year yeah. and then you come out and say he's the toughest, da 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 da, da I don't know if that really – corresponds with, you know, missing the last five or six games of the season for mystery, da-da-da-da. It, it's tough. It's tough to really... Yeah, there was a lot of mystery with DeAnthony Thomas last year, and people weren't sure where he was. It was like a case of the missing man. You know, yeah. he was MIA. We're texting him, we're calling him, we can't find him. 
was not there last year, but again, comes out, you know, this year training camp, you know, he's working on special teams. That's an interesting case because mm-hmm. I could see that being a situation where maybe the other offensive coaches are like, we have no use for this guy. And Dave Tope's like, but I need, you know, it's, it might be one of those, uh, closed door arguments <laughs> when it comes down to the 53 as you are all too familiar with yeah and yeah i mean and it's going to be like i said i mean it's, it's so many really it's so many really good solid players on this offensive side of the ball when it comes to a player who like you're saying really doesn't have a true fit in the offense that's going to be a tough call to keep him over a guy like your fourth running back or your sixth wide out or an extra swing lineman or even that fourth tight end i mean <laughs> I could see more more use of uh, Ross Travis and actually in the offense on some of that um, big Buffalo plays down in the goal line, you know, maybe going four tight ends. And I can see more abuse of him actually in the offense than D'Anthony. Speaking of keeping four of one position, the game that Sharkandrick West put out last game, rising from the dead. He looked like he was all but cut and then bursts for over 100 yards in the second preseason game, opens this thing up. And, you know, C.J. Spiller looks like he's kind of come back here a little bit. But Sharkandrick West has a good game <laughs> then. And then it's like, okay, maybe Sharkandrick West stays. I was saying this. This is what I thought after last game, that maybe the Chiefs don't put West over Spiller quite yet. But now I'm starting to think they may keep four running backs instead of three. What do you think about the running back situation? I think that all of them have proven on the field that they deserve a roster spot. And I think as a coach, you owe it to guys when they go when they give it to you on the field, not, not with potential, not with just uh, um, 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 scouts grading systems and stuff. On the field, during the game, all four of those running backs have deserved a spot on your Kansas City Chiefs team. And when they showed that much desire to be a positive influence on your team, I think, I think that, that, that it's a ripple effect. You keep all four of those guys. If there's a situation where um, a team approaches you, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a spot right there where if you're an explosive running back, they're always a team that's in need of a explosive number two, number three running back. So if there's a position where you can automatically get trade value from, it's at that running back position with those guys. I tend to agree they'll, they'll keep four. But I suddenly think that preseason game three is all of a sudden out of the blue, a sneaky big game for Spencer Ware, who it I is. think may lose his starting job if Kareem Hunt has a better game. Uh, I mean, he has all the measurables. He has all that um, the explosiveness. He has the hands. Uh, he has that it factor. He's such a humble person from you know, meeting him and talk to him. He's, he's just one of those guys who's going to come in. Um, he's done it from the ground up all his career. He's never been given anything. So he's a guy who's just been taken, taken, taken. And now he wants that number one job, as anybody would. And if, like you say, if Spencer Ware isn't careful, he's got a young guy, young pup, who is uh, more explosive, um, has better hands, has better balance. He just doesn't have the game um, experience. And so the one thing that did concern me was late, uh, you know, after a couple carries, he did come off the field with a little limp. Um, And so looking at the college schedule versus the pro schedule, we play almost twice as many games as the college. And so if I'm thinking about Kareem Hunt, his first season, trying to get acclimated to those hits every week from professional players, not college guys, but pro guys leaning on them and laying on them, that's the one thing Spencer has proven. I mean, he's going to get up Durable. after uh, fourth quarter running yep. just as hard as the first. And we just don't know that yet about Kareem. Right. And I, I don't think you know Kareem or Spencer have anything to worry about in making this roster. I'm just very intrigued about – 
how the one-two situation works out. Is it a dual system? I think it remains to be seen. And with Andy Reid, you never know. Yeah. One of the most creative play callers in the league. You don't know what he's going to do with all this personality he has. And all in all, with all these questions, regardless, this should be a good test on Friday night because the Seahawks' first-team defense is one of the best in the league and is every year. And you know with all the off-season stuff with Richard Sherman and Russell Wilson, they're going to want to come out. This is their dress rehearsal and really late on the Chiefs. So this is a, this is a great test. You know, you know what you're going to get with the Seahawks. You're going to get an aggressive defense. You're going to get a defensive line that really gets off on the ball. Uh, they're going to test your vertical sets as far as the offensive line. They're going to test your tackles' ability to cover the edge. They're also going to show a push up the middle. They, they have guys quick at those three techniques that can uh, run these quick games on your center and guards. Secondary, they're going to be jamming your receivers, making them get off the jam. That's one thing that – uh, everybody questioned about the Chiefs receivers. Do we have a number one who can get off a jam? Do we have somebody who can go against the, one of the, some of the best lockdown corners and still get open? So this is a great, great matchup, especially because it's a preseason game. So we can go out there and try a bunch of things, really fine-tune what we're going to do um, opening up the season because we know we're going to see some of those same type of uh, defensive philosophies come week one from Coach Belichick. Good stuff. That's the offensive review heading into the third preseason game this Friday night, 7 o'clock from Seattle, Washington. We just talked some offense with Sean Barber. When we come back, we'll discuss the defense heading into this big game. Here we are back on the Arrowhead Pride podcast. Pete Sweeney here with former Chiefs linebacker Sean Barber joining us, filling in. For the slacking, Joel Thorman and Seth Kaiser, it, you know, excuses, meetings, trials. For Sean, it doesn't matter. He's here to talk defense. And with him being a former linebacker, let's get right into linebackers. What are you seeing? I'm going to leave it wide open for you. What are you seeing from this position group right now? Man, if there's any position I think that is wide open, it's the linebacker position. Um, though I love the experience of Derek Johnson, I think Rameek Wilson is very solid. He, he's not, he doesn't really have any, um, any weakness to his game, but he's not, he's not explosive enough. He's not really um, playing that top level at any, at, at any phase of his game. Justin Houston is definitely amazing, right? But he needs to stay healthy. Zombo. Zombo is the constant. Zombo will always make a play each game to show you why he's on the roster. And then you have uh, Justin March Lillard, a few other guys. We just traded for a guy who's been playing really well, the guy we got from um, – Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Kevin Pierre-Lewis has been playing amazing. I mean, for being only on the roster for a week, I think he's, to me, shown to be one of the um, kind of the missing links for, for, for Coach Sutton's defense. He's Do one you of like the, guys, the trade? I love the trade. You I love the trade. I love the trade. See, I love the trade. That, at, for when it first happened, people weren't too happy about it, especially on social media. No one likes change. I mean, let's be honest. But just in general, I, I felt fans were more negative than positive, And you say you love it. I saw, I, know, I saw no position that DJ Alexander could play on our defense. He was a special teams pro bowler. He was Coach Tobes. <laughs> uh, you know, his, his – his, uh, his boy. Yeah, he, he, was, he could put him anywhere on special teams. But he could never play, in my eyes, on any phase of our defense. And so we got a guy who is very athletic. Sounds a lot like our D'Anthony Thomas uh, <laughs> conversation, what, 15 minutes ago? Yeah. Uh, uh, so, but we got a guy who I think is, has, has the capability of really being able to move around and do a lot of things well. Can run like a safety, hits like a linebacker, great movement skills, hands on the defense side of the ball, makes a very sure tackler. I just think, you know, coming from Seattle, they were so loaded at that position, he just ended up being an odd man out. But he can, he, he can definitely play on Sunday. So I, I look forward to seeing him out there a lot more. 
I want to ask you this because the Chiefs drafted him and it was as a defensive end, and now he's been playing a little bit of linebacker. What do you think of this Tano Passigno, the rookie, the gigantic man <laughs> that you, you see on the Chiefs defense? Yeah, well, TK, man, he, uh, coming from Villanova, man, like uh, doing some scouting myself, I didn't really have him rated that high because raw? I just, Was it he raw? He's, I mean, he has so much raw talent, but if you looked at the game from, you know, when, like Villanova played my school, they played Richmond, and he was just a non-factor. Mm-hmm. He, pl- he played against Division II offensive linemen and just wasn't dominating. I mean, he, sh- he should have been crushing the pocket. I don't care where he lined up at. The, the the one of two guys from Richmond across the ball from him should have been like shaking in his shoes. I didn't see any alignment trembling at his his demeanor, his stature and and size, especially at that level. Right. You know, he wasn't going against the Alabamas, the LSU's, the, the really uh, Clemson's, the, the powerhouse guys. And because I didn't see that on film, I thought that he had to get with a coach who could bring it out of him. He had to get with a staff, and I don't think every team had that kind of uh, fiery D line coach that could really take a guy with his raw abilities and make him play at, at the level he's been playing at so quickly. So that's a, another hat off to the coaching staff and the scouting staff here at the Kansas City Chiefs. How valuable is the fact that he can do both? Oh, D- that's DL and LB. It's, it's so valuable, especially when we're talking about cutting the roster down to get to 53. That, that, that allows the Deontay Thomases, that allows that extra tight end, that fourth running back, to be able to do those little things on offense. You have to have defenders that can do more than one thing. It goes back to that saying, the more you can do. And when it comes down to 53-man roster in those last four or five spots, I mean, you've been in the room discussing this, these type of things. Mm-hmm. It really is the more you can do. Oh, it definitely is. Because once you, once you get a guy who you can put his name on one side of the board on, you know, hey, he's an inside backer, but we can play him at outside if we need to. We can actually move him to defensive end on passing schemes. Then that's one guy taking up three spots where that's two other guys off the board where we can go help the offensive side. Or we can give Dave Tobe his – you know, special teams guru that he need, that he wants. He's able to you know save that that guy from being cut, and um, you 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 find two or three of those guys on defense, and then that board tilts, and your offense is now you know multiversal. Your special teams is now multiversal, and your defense is just it's it's staying solid, it's staying core because you got guys that can play so many different positions. And I know that it was the reserve team last game, but passing your sack, I mean the bull rush, it's just. If this guy can get it going, I mean, this is a guy that's come out of nowhere that mm-hmm. could really make an impact this year. Well, I know when you're coaching a guy raw, you, co- you coach him to do one move, and you want to see him do it every time and see can he, you know, he, he needs to learn when that move isn't going to work before you start teaching him to Is that similar counters. with D Ford to uh, yes. last year? Yes, similar to D Ford. You know, you got to go, go speed until it doesn't work anymore and then figure out from watching film, you know, now my second step I see that that guy has – you know, defeated my speed move. Now I need a counter move. Before you come to a league and you say, hey, let me give this guy four different moves. Well, if he never develops the first one, who cares if he has three more? Right. You know, so, you know, I, I kind of equate having pass rushing moves to kind of being a pitcher, right? Some of the greatest closing pitchers, <laughs> Rivera, right, from the, the Yankees. The GOAT. Right? <laughs> one pitch. And it worked close after close, save after save. Can't do that as a linebacker. <laughs> you, can't, <laughs> you can't do that as a linebacker. I'd actually but. like to see Mariano Rivera perform as a linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, coming off that edge or uh, 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 being phenomenal at, at really just getting, up, getting off the ball, that get off creates so many moves um, just be organically evolve off of the get off. 
So you have to be able to get off with power, get off with strength. Because if you're just a speed guy, offenses are going to realize they can just slap you by. They'll use your speed against you. If you're just a power guy, they'll just sit on you, make you go through them for three or four steps, pretty much cancel out your, your power. So if you only have one tool, then they'll, they'll find a way to cancel you out. But if you start off with what we call a speed to power transition, you come off with speed and you automatically go into power, and then you have to have a counter move off of that power. So it's kind of a one-two, and then you don't know if I'm going A, B, or C. So that one-two is constant, but then you don't know if I'm going to use A, B, or C. Now you're mine. As a defensive end, as a rush guy, I own the offensive lineman now because he doesn't know which one to prepare for. Yeah. I mean, that's good stuff. Good stuff at the linebacker position. I do want to move on now to the defensive line. Chris Jones and Roy Miller will be in the lineup this game. Roy Miller is a massive guy. Speaking of massive guys, I said it on this podcast before, Roy Miller looks like the type of guy to lead some babies. He's back in the lineup. Chris Jones is back. And I've been saying this. I think the Chiefs defensive line has a chance to be the best in the league this year with Chris Jones, Alan Bailey, and Benny Logan. Would you agree with that? Man, like I said, you know, doing the scouting thing, I, um, I had a chance to watch extensive tape of Benny Logan. Benny Logan, to me, um, was playing probably like a top 10 defensive lineman in the league last year. Every game, he was just so explosive off the ball. Was it the scheme change that kind of made him have an off year statistically? Um, you can, you know, you, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to account for hit the off year because, like I said, I didn't, I didn't watch him exclusively until just last year. So I just watched him just all last year, and I'm looking around like, like this is the best guy on the field by far. Like this is like hands down. I didn't care what Fletcher Cox was doing. I didn't care what anybody, um, Brandon Graham, these guys from the Eagles. Benny Logan was just consistently. Off the ball, power, transition moves. He finished every play uh, what, clean. What is it you think that makes him so talented? I mean, his desire. I mean, he has a, he has a heart. I mean, he has a desire to get to the ball. He finishes every play. Um, he plays with perfect leverage, like yeah, hand placement. I mean, it was almost it – was, it was scary. It was scary to see how good he was. But he was, to me, I was looking around the league like he's getting so – like he's not getting valued. You know, like no one's valuing what, what I'm seeing, no one else is seeing. But then when the trade came, I was like, oh, Dorsey sees it. Right. <laughs> the Chiefs see it, you know. Right, right. So it was, it was good to see him have a home, especially in the defense where I know they're going to use his talents and his abilities. Put you on the spot here. Who has a better year? Ooh. Benny Logan with the Chiefs, Dontari Poe with the Falcons. Oh, Benny Logan. Hey, you, that ain't putting me on the spot at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you was going to say something hard, man. I thought you was going to give me like uh, – Benny Logan versus even I mean like Chris Jones or Benny Logan versus uh, uh, D Ford or Marcus. I thought yeah, like to me Benny Logan's gonna be our defensive MVP this year. Like and I think it's not gonna even be close. Big words, big words. Not not to disrespect Peters, not to disrespect Barry. They're gonna be I mean they're gonna do their thing, but you know in the secondary, if the offense don't attack you, it's hard to get recognized. So I think Peters is gonna be kind of a. Uh, <laughs> Like that kid just playing in the muddle, playing, playing by himself because they're not going to throw many balls his way. Uh, the other corner is going to get, where it's Terrence Mitchell, whoever it is over there, and I don't mean to uh, foreshadow into the next position, but our secondary, our other corner is going to get um, a lot of action over there. Right. Um, but I see, uh, yeah, up, as far as the front seven, Benny Logan's going to be our MVP by a long shot. Benny Logan will be back in there again on Friday night. One of the best things he does is run defense. Eddie Lacy, Thomas Rawls. They got a kid, Chris Carson. Yeah. That's someone to watch in Seattle coming up on Friday night. I think the safeties are pretty set. We don't have to really touch the safeties. I think you have Eric Berry. Eric Berry will be back in the lineup on Friday. Of course, Ron Parker, Sorensen, who I know you love. I love uh, <laughs> and Eric Murray, I think are all locks to make this team. 
as far as the right cornerback. Man, you know, mm. you kind of teased it. You're like a professional mm. at this in the in the last segment, but that's that's a problem right now, is it not? Man, it's, and the only reason is not that the guys aren't capable, not that Terrence Mitchell and, and Steven Nelson, not, not that Philip Gant, not, those guys are all capable, but because everybody else is so good on our defense, because all the other positions are playing at so high level, you have to attack. That 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 has to be the weak link because there is no other weakness. So if I'm going to attack anybody. Let me ask you this. Is Tom Brady going to be looking at Philip Gaines like he looks at Giselle? Like, is it going to be that much <laughs> on Thursday night? Oh, man. I mean, I mean, his eyes are going to be over there. I mean, he's going to, <laughs> he's going to be searching over there uh, uh, very often. So if there's anybody who needs to eat their Wheaties the night before and uh, make sure they stay very hydrated, it's those three guys. I don't know. I mean, I, it, you might have to go platoon against it. You might have just keep rolling new guys out there hoping that he – just fresh legs. Fr- fresh legs, but also each one of them, they, you know, they, they, they all play a little differently. And so that might be a technique to increase the productivity of that position is this, con- you know, when you're going against the really good veteran quarterbacks, you might want to throw one or two of them out there just on different series just so they don't see the same guy over there because, you know, when they go to the sideline, hey, this guy bites on this. Because of similar tendencies. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. So, and so just so Chiefs fans know, heading into this Friday night game, Jacoby Glenn, Terrence Mitchell, and J.R. Nelson all not in the lineup. So Terrence Mitchell won't be in again. I tend to think, and don't quote me on this, but Steve Nelson will be at right cornerback, right? I mean, you can't make the club from the tub. You can't make the starting lineup if you're not ready to go. And so I think this is – I mean, we, we, want, we want to see. I, I'm just, I think this last game was Gaines' shot. Didn't really have the greatest game. I think they're going to want to see now if Nelson could be the guy. Yeah, I, yeah. Now, I mean, Nelson's always proved – like I said, he's always proved to be uh, capable. He's always there. He's, you know, I don't see any blown coverages from him. Just like, like I said, just it's going to be tough for him because of the amount of pressure and the amount of attempts get thrown his way. They're going to keep coming after him. Now, even if he makes a play, they're going to keep coming after him. He knows that lining up. So, you got, I mean, get, get, get your big boy shoes on. Other names to watch there, DJ White, Devontae Bosby, and Kenneth Acker. But, man, tough. I mean, and, that, and that's, what, that's what it is. I think in a really, really good defense otherwise, man, that's a worry for the Chiefs fans, Chiefs fans going into this season. All right. Well, we got through the defense. Uh, Chiefs Seahawks coming at you this Friday night, 7 o'clock p.m. When we come back, we're going to play a little game. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride podcast. Pete Sweeney here with Sean Barber filling in for some guys today. We are talking Chiefs Seahawks preseason game, 7 o'clock Friday night. Get a pizza, get some beers, get some friends. It should be fun. Now we're going to play a little cut or keep with oh, Sean Barber. All right. I'm, I'm going to give you two names. You know, you have to cut one. You can keep the other. <laughs> First two names I'm going to give you. Sharkandrick West, CJ Spiller. Sharkandrick West. I'm putting my GM hat on right now. I'm putting okay. my, my Brett Beach hat on. I, got a, I actually got a hat I'm putting on. I hope uh, you've been working out your calves. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to be Brett Beach. Man, amazing. Right? You, wait until you see my calves. Mine are, like, I got him beat all day. We, we might have a calf to off pose down at, 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 at one point of the season, if we maybe during about a week. During my time with the Chiefs, this is just another side story, I would work out in the gym. Brett Feach is down there every day sprinting. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> the guy loves to sprint. Yeah, he has a. I mean, you know, ex ex Delaware guy. He didn't. I don't think we faced. I went to Richmond with Delaware, so uh, we actually played against each other one year. I think my senior year was his freshman year, but we never actually got on the field. He, he didn't play as a freshman. I don't think, but. He didn't. Uh, we, I didn't have a chance to hit him. Are you about to say you gave him a noogie? No, nah, I didn't get a chance to hit him because he ended up moving the wide out. And so, <laughs> uh, no, good player though. Great player for the uh, Atlantic Ten. All right, well, let's get, let's get back to it. Let's stay on task, man. Stay on task. All right, well, listen, look at you taking right, over some host duties. Task, I like right? that. All right, West or Spiller? Who do you got? All right, I'm going to go with C.J. Spiller. I'm going to keep Spiller because I think that on the special teams front, he can return kickoffs for me. Um, he hasn't done it, but I think he has the ability to be a uh, fairly decent punt returner if he needed to be. But I think if we come down to a situation where we need to get out of a game because our, our first two backs get dinged up, I'm more comfortable with C.J. Spiller's experience. I'm more comfortable with his explosion, top-end speed. I think as a receiver, he has better hands. Um, Shachandrick West is is very good at a bunch of different things. He's, he's kind of like that uh, jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Um, he def- I definitely would like to keep him, but if I got to cut one of the other, I'm going to keep Spiller and have to – I'm going to actually trade Shartrangic West. I'm not going to cut him. I'm going to trade him. Oh, nice. Where is he going? Uh, I'm going to have him go to – I'm going to have him go to Green Bay. I'm going to call up uh, McCarthy and we'll get him a position in Green Bay. They really want Montgomery to really be a wide receiver again, So, and they're not really, I think, overly – uh, committed to Jamal Williams from BYU. Hopefully this isn't a one or two day rental like the last Chiefs running back who went to Green Bay, Mr. Nile <laughs> Davis, who came back to the Chiefs no, right? no, shortly no. after. No, West is definitely he, he, he like I said, man, he's he's proven he needs to be on it. He's he's gonna be on all our all four of our running backs will be on the opening day NFL roster. Oh no doubt. I, I completely agree with that. All right, next one. Ross Travis or Gavin Escobar. You already kind of revealed this before. You said Gavin just a little bit about why quickly again. I'm going back, I'm gonna I'm gonna double down. I'm doubling down on Escobar. I think that he has, uh, like I said, like you'll see a lot of these. I think a lot you'll see at the end of this, a lot of my cut and keep uh, has to do with my uh, veteran savvy. You know, to be a 10-year guy myself, I I tend to lean toward guys with the playing experience. And I understand there's a value for younger guys. They are fresher bodies, less injuries. But to me, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's something to be said about being able to survive the NFL, to be able to um, season after season play as a professional on and off the field, know what it means to be a professional. So I'm going to go with Gavin. I think he, he has enough experience at a position that he can um, come in at any point in the game and be a very valuable uh, asset at a tight end position um, without much prep. Gavin Escobar, keeping him. Keeping him. Next one, Shontavious Jones or Albert Wilson? I'm going to go with A.B., uh, um, Albert, uh, the Fat Albert gang. Um, um, <laughs> Albert Wilson is going to be uh, – he, he's definitely going to be a keeper. I mean, he's been in the system for a while. Um, at one point in the season, I think, um, when when we were down in the wide out, he moved up and was the number one for a week or two. He's shown it. You know, he has, like I said, very capable hands. He knows the offense. And we, I think with Shatavius, uh, they can – he still has practice squad eligibility and somebody like that, and that you know somebody wouldn't pick him up. But I just don't see that being a uh, dramatic loss to the team, not being able to keep um, Jones. Yeah, I mean it's very possible. What what did the Chiefs keep Fred Williams on the practice squad for like four or five years? So I mean, <laughs> Shontavious Jones could fill the honorary Fred Williams spot hey, on hey, the hey, Chiefs practice. Squad. All, you you always have to have a receiver on your practice. Like every every year, a receiver or two need to be on your practice squad. Hey, Frankie Hammond, now a New York Jet. Now in Jets. 
All right, we got through the wide receiver. Justin March or KPL? Ooh. Man, March. I loved March last year. March Lillard was a – I actually picked him to be the defensive MVP last year. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so. Sorry, Benny Logan. <laughs> Sometimes – no, no, it's like I have an off year and an on year. Oh, okay. So, yeah, last year was my off year in picks. Gotcha, uh, like a yin-yang. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go – we're going we're gonna to keep March Lillard. Wow. We'll, we'll keep March Lillard. I thought you loved KPL. You're I cutting do, your boy. I do, but like long term, I, I, like, I think March Lillard is just that one year, like when you have an injury, that first year back is not really the one. Like we saw Justin Houston last year. But, but I think this year, he's, March Lillard is going to be the guy that really steps up and shows that he, he demands to be on the field. He's the guy who um, really has that talent. Um, you know, it's going to be a t- like saying he's going to work back from that injury, but his future I think he has the, the 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 greatest chance of being the the the, the next Derrick Johnson. Wow! If, if there is a linebacker, interior linebacker that has the 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 abilities physically, mentally to be the next Der- Derrick Johnson to lead this team, to me that is March Lillard. Though I think this season, you know, the other guy probably play better, Lewis. So maybe they find a way to keep Justin March until next year remains to be seen. Uh, we we've seen that before now. It's a mystery uh, week. Uh, preseason four-game injuries that put people on back mm-hmm. on the injured. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, so, you know, broken fingernail. It's something, hey, there's many reasons. I mean, I'm just not able to get it done this year. Niche week. Keep him on, keep stash him away for another year. It's like that healthy. niche week is going to require surgery. We're going to have to get him uh, on the sidelines pretty quickly. <laughs> Eric Murray or Leon McQuay? I think this is an easy one, but go ahead. Oh, Lord. Eric Murray or Leon McQuay? <sighs> I'm a I'm a keep Murray. Yeah, me too. I'm gonna keep Murray. Uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, personally, I don't need four safeties. I just need three. And if we had three really good ones, I'm I'm comfortable with just Eb um, Sorensen and Ron Parker. You're a big Sorensen guy. <laughs> I mean, listen, I personally think Sorensen is our starting, should be one of our starting safeties. Um, I respect Ron Parker. I respect everything he does. I respect his, you know, hey, veteran, come to work, get it done. But when we talk about upside, playmaking ability, we talk about guys who show a desire to get to the ball, and when they get there, they make an impact. I mean, Sorensen hits you. He hits the the mess out of you. He makes you, like, think about not, not wanting to play no more the way he hits. And then when the ball gets in his hand, I mean, he showed last year, I mean, he has pick six ability. I'm around the goal line last game when they uh, had a couple opportunities at the, um, to get in in the red zone. He broke up a couple plays to the tight end in the red zone. Um, I, I just always see him around the ball. I always see him running past other defenders to get to the ball. So that type of desire, I think, deserves to be on the field uh, more than 10 times a game. Never know. Maybe he works his way into the starting lineup as the year goes on. All right. Last, cut or keep, Tyler Bray or the unknown, Joel Stave. <laughs> Man, I'm keeping Tyler Bray. Oh, poor I'll Joel. Be, Joel gets no love. Yeah, Stave, Stave. Grab some more agave. Take a <laughs> shot. <laughs> Take a couple shots of tequila. At least he gets a parting song. Gets a parting song. Gets a couple, a couple bottles of tequila. Uh, yeah, yeah. Stave is not going to be my guy. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with the guy who's been here for a few years, who knows the system. Tyler Bray. At least he knows when it comes to holding the clipboard. He'll get the plays right. He ain't, you don't have to worry about a bunch of cross-throughs and miscounts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we're so solid at the number one and number two position. I mean, I could put my son there at the number three position. He could, my, my son, Nico, could be 
How old is Nico? Nico's 15. Okay. He could be the third string quarterback because you ain't going to do nothing. That but, should paint the picture pretty clearly. So you ain't going to do nothing but uh, hold a clipboard and uh, be the scout team quarterback a few times. So I kind of think, and I put up a video on Twitter of Travis Kelsey, this training camp. I think Travis Kelsey really is your number three right now. He, he got a gun, right? Like when it comes to that, that pretty accurate. Hit, hit the crossbar game. Pretty accurate. He's pretty, I mean, I, 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 bet if we, I bet if you actually had a competition and we looked around, with a, with a couple of these other guys, a couple of these DBs, a couple of the wide receivers. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if, like, Chris Conley could go back there and if you just, you know, hit, you know, because he plays wide receiver, he knows the weaknesses of the defense. So just, hey, hey, look, watch your safeties. When they break to the hashes, it's cover two. So throw it to the seam, I throw the check down. Cover four, throw it out. Three deep, hit. You know, hit, hit, a, hit a wide receiver stop. Like, Never doubt Andy Reid working with quarterbacks. By the end of the season, you know, who knows? We could see 11 quarterbacks in the field. They could just <laughs> lateral to each other. You don't know who's going to get it. And uh, then they'll pass to each other. Well, we, we know we, we just now said we have uh, Chris Conley and we also have uh, Travis Kelsey can be our third and fourth backup quarterbacks. And that makes Tyler Bray our fifth. So you know, we, maybe we, we won't see it, Bray or Stave with, with how we're talking here today. But listen. I'm good with that. Hey, no, 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 no. I don't need a third quarter. I'm good. If you want to cut down to 53, if there's one spot, one position that I think you can shave day one, if you got a guy who's on the fence who you think can add to the team, I'm I'm so comfortable with going into the season with just two quarterbacks. You're not worried about being two hits away from your season being up in the air? No, because I, I think, like you said, I can get Chris Cool. I, I, I can get anybody to take a snap and hand it off to our, our running game this year. Like, I run, I see, I, I'm so excited about our running game. I almost think there is no need to go downfield, go deep. I think control passing game, running game, great special teams, great defense, great – Red zone, um, goal zone defense. I don't, I don't, I see us. I mean, beating beating teams down to the fourth quarter. We're just handing the ball off to Ware and West and Hunt. And I mean, the game's always a ten point game, but the other team is so defeated mentally because we've been running on them that they don't even want to try to make a comeback. They don't want to try to mount a comeback. That's the type of game after game after game mentality that I see the the, the Chiefs having this season. Well, Pride Heads looks like uh, you're in for a fun year. Should be a good game on Friday night, 7 p.m. The Chiefs visiting the Seattle Seahawks. Want to thank Sean Barber for coming in here today. No doubt, no doubt. And I want to, hey, we got to make sure we keep an eye out for old Tyler Lockett. You know, shout out to Kevin Lockett's son. He'll be out on the field. We want to make sure he stays healthy. Want him to play uh, well, but not too well. Yeah, no big plays, but uh, <laughs> let's get through the game healthy. I hope, hopefully for you know, a healthy season for that young man. He's a, he's a great, great individual. Pete Sweeney here signing off from Kansas City. This has been the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.